I'm Nala Ayed, host of Ideas. In this age of clickbait and online shouting, Ideas is a meeting ground for people who want to deepen their understanding of the world. Join me as we crack open a concept to see how it plays out over place and time and how it matters today. From the rise of authoritarianism to the history of cult movies, no idea is off limits. Ideas is on the CBC Listen app or wherever you find your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. So, Brittany Howard, her voice is, and this might be a little bit um, of a dated reference maybe, her voice is like a travel agency because it can take you somewhere and lift you somewhere new. Okay, so the first time you heard Brittany Howard's voice is probably with the band Alabama Shakes. So that's Alabama Shakes. Their first album is the first album that most bands pray for. Instant hit, multiple Grammy nominations. Adele comes out and says how much she loves Alabama Shakes. The Obamas start talking about how much they love Alabama Shakes. All of a sudden, Brittany Howard goes from delivering mail to touring the world and, and performing with Prince. They put out two acclaimed albums before their hiatus, and that part is because Brittany Howard did something that I, I find really hard to imagine anyone doing. She decided to, after all that success, leave the band for a little while, strike out on her own, and really follow her heart. you're hearing right there, a song called What Now from Brittany Howard's second solo album. She came into the studio to tell you about it on the day that album was released. You're going to hear her talk about the twists and turns she's experienced in music. She'll tell you about what it's like to teach yourself music in rural Alabama, what it's like to practice music in a haunted house why she walked away or how she felt when she walked away from a wildly successful band. And just spoiler alert, it's because the things she loved started to feel like a job. So you're also going to hear her talk about how she fell in love with music again. I loved this conversation. Here's my chat with Brittany Howard. How are you? Hi, Tom. Doing good. Nice to see you. Good to be here. Last time, last time we talked, it was not in real life. So this is kind of cool. Yeah, we're back. And we're back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and we're taping this on album release day. This is the day that the album has come out. Yes. It's such a proud day. So from the last record to now, last time we talked to now, you, you said something to me before we turned the microphones on. You were kind of like, I feel like a completely different person because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You feel like a different mm-hmm. person between this last record and, and, and this one? Absolutely. I always like for my music to evolve. And I feel like the pandemic forced a lot of us to evolve, you know? You had to go internal and you had to look at yourself. And you can either look at it and ignore it or you can look at it and make some changes. And and I decided to make some changes and try to become the person I've always dreamt of being, you know? And that's hard. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. I'm not through with that, but on the other side of, of all that work, you know, I've come out with something like this that is very... Um, 
very visceral and very much like expressive of, of how it feels to try to get out of some muck. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Like when you say that like, hey, there was some stuff I had to address, there was some things that there were some changes I had to make, I had to kind of come out on the other side of it and I'm still working through it. You know, can you give me a better idea of what you were going through? Well, it's just life, really. You know, coming from where I come from and the way I grew up, like I grew up in a junkyard, I grew up right at the poverty line, we didn't have a lot of money. There's lots of times in my young adult life I didn't have electricity. And it's like kind of looking back on things. I don't usually look back. I usually am always looking forward and moving forward. But looking back on some things like I did in the pandemic, it's just like, wow, I've come like so far. And taking time to be proud of myself, you know what I mean? And also taking time to set a new chart for where I want to go next. Because now I've proven to myself that I can go where I point. You can go where you point. That's you can right. you can you can set goals for yourself and, and hit them. I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a powerful realization. It is. It is. I never. I always hoped I'd be that kind of person. You know. Well, I don't think any of us are that kind of person when we're growing up. You know what I mean? Unless you're unless you're wild. And that, well, I was wild. I was <laughs> <laughs> I was feral. You were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know any better. I was just out there just trying to get dopamine like everybody else. You know what I mean? I hear what you're saying. But now, you, you know, you, you, you achieve some things through the Alabama Shakes. You achieve some things and through the solo thing. You're starting to realize, like, okay, I have some power here. Absolutely. And I had lots of great role models in my life that moved into my life that if it wasn't for the Alabama Shakes, if it wasn't for being in this industry, I would have never met them and had, like, um, just, I don't know, like a, a different philosophy I was introduced to. And not to be prying, anyone I know. My managers, you might have met them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, well, you wrote this record in Nashville? That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. During the pandemic? Yes, the first year of the pandemic. How was that, not writing in it? Like, is that different than where you wrote the other records? Yes, it was. This time, I had returned to Nashville, and, and I had rented this little, um, it was like a 100-year-old rental house. It wasn't any of my furniture. The aesthetic of the house was kind of like... Um, Asian antique furniture and race cars. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh that that old that old aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of had to live in my own world anyway because I was like I'm surrounded by all this stuff that's not mine. I'm just kind of trying to like get back to Nashville and find a place to live and get on my feet again. And in this rental house is this little tiny children's bedroom. It's, it's a little creepy, but that's where I had room to set up some small studio equipment. And um, I just went in there every day, to, you know, every day, and I would just like try to just uh, kind of get out what I was feeling because during the pandemic, there were so many feelings happening within me, so many feelings happening all at the same time. And it was almost like I felt like a rocket. You know, I just felt like I, I was just going to explode with all these thoughts and feelings. And so I would go into the studio and I'd just write something every day and, and just say, well, nobody's ever going to listen to it, you know? And that's what later became What Now? You were writing kind of for yourself. Yeah, I needed to, because it had been a while since music had been my outlet. It kind of turned into a job for a while. It does that, doesn't it? Yeah, and I was like, I can't believe I let it become this. You know, I was so tired, you know, and it was part of it, isn't it? And it's also, I had decided to 
kind of start over again in a way. That was my decision that I made. And uh, by the time the pandemic hit, I, w- I was like, obviously part of me was terrified because I didn't know what was going on, neither did anyone else. But part of me was excited to stop. I was kind of excited the world stopped because it means I, I, I got to take a breath and I got to, to just just sit down for a second and be someplace and watch seasons change and just kind of be a person for a second. And that's where I fell in love with music again. Fell in love with music again. You had fallen, you'd, you'd fallen out of love with it a little bit? It was a very strained relationship, yeah. It was very strained. I was just tired. That's really, that's really the only reason. John Prine said something to me one time, which is, by the way, a cool thing to be able to say. John Prine said something to me one time. He said, um, uh, you know, Tom, I really liked, I loved songwriting until it became my job. Yeah, and it's true. And and I felt like I'd always kind of position myself in a way where it's like I'll, I'll never I've, I'm always evading the job aspect of it, and I'd been doing a pretty good job at outrunning it until I became a little tireder, you know. And um, I was like, okay, um, I'm just gonna see what life's like now, and had this like little cosmos within myself to explore. And um, yeah, I started getting back into writing as an outlet again, and it felt really free. Well, let's listen to one of the things that came out of that that outlet. Take a listen to this. Brittany Howard in a song called Prove It To You through her new record called What Now. I mean, musically on this record, you're experimenting with music that is pretty different than anything people would have heard you do with Alabama Shakes. That that track stuck out to me as something I hadn't heard you do before. Talk to, talk to me a little bit about that. Like, it's a very emotional song, great sort of yearning song, four on the floor, mm-hmm. dance song. Mm-hmm. What's going on? When I'm creating music, for me, it's like a very visual experience. For me, this feeling of yearning on a dance floor was such a juxtaposition to me that it made it interesting. Is there any like, oh, people who are used to my music won't necessarily be used to something that sounds like this? Yeah, probably. I mean, there's, 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 a, there's a possibility. But also I'm aware that it's 2024 now and people are listening to everything, you know, because they have access to everything. TikTok and Spotify and uh, YouTube and all that stuff, you have access to all kinds of music. And, and um, I think people are listening to a lot more music than they used to, maybe. And that frees you up, you're saying, like because now you feel like you can experiment with, with other genres. There's going to be fewer expectations put on you for what people want you to sound like. Yeah, sure. And, you know, I, I really have a simple philosophy when it comes to, like, what people want me to sound like. It's just, like, it's I live one time, you know, as far as I know. And why not? Like, really, why not? Who's going to care in 10 years from now if I put out a dance song or not? <laughs> Nobody. But I did it. I love that philosophy. Thank you. Did you get that over time? Did you have that right away? Honestly, I think it was, like, maybe the time that I walked away from, like, a very successful band. And everyone was like, absolutely do not do that. And I did it. Uh, I think that was when I was like, oh, I see. I get to steer my own ship. Oh, right. When you leave Alabama Shakes, <laughs> the successful band you're talking about, mm-hmm. people are looking at you and going... Why in the name of God would you ever do that? Oh, yeah. They were like, she must be injured. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, like you broke your arm or something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But to me, it's just important to go where your your heart tells you. 
and never feel like you're trapped into something. It's just not it's not it's not worth it, you know? And especially like as a creative person and, and this is like a very important part of my life is being a creative person and being able to express myself that way. I had to follow, like, I guess you would call like the muse or, or creativity. I had to follow where it was coming from. And it was kind of just away from that. And um, and I had to I had to do it. Yeah, and, and, and you only live once, eh? That's it. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. That is exactly what Brittany Howard was thinking when she left one of the biggest bands in the world. You only live once. Why not make the music you're inspired to make? Let me tell you, it got to take guts, you got to imagine, to leave one of the biggest bands in the world, Alabama Shakes. Brittany Howard, though, was kind of used to doing hard things. Didn't grow up rich. Family home was in the middle of a junkyard they owned in Alabama. As a kid, she lost her sister, her, her best friend, to a rare form of eye cancer. And still, Brittany Howard looks back on her childhood with a lot of happiness. And she's channeled everything I just told you about, the ups and downs, the grief, the the losses, into the music that she makes. That's where the next part of our conversation picks up. What did you say to me at the beginning of the conversation? You said, like, Tom, I grew up on a junkyard, sort of on on, on on the poverty line. You were telling me a little bit about that. I'm I'm trying to get a sense of like how you started playing music in in the first place. I was reading about you before I came in. Mm-hmm. Your sister had something to do with you playing music. Is that your sister Jamie? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I was I always was fascinated with music ever since I was really little. It was always such a big part of the household. And me and my sister would always make up songs and sing songs. And me and my cousins would play uh, five gallon buckets and clap our hands and learn harmonica. And we'd get like a dollar for performing on in, in the street and stuff. And like. You know, it was everything. It was our entertainment. Because, like, maybe we didn't have a lot, but music was free. And we just used that to entertain ourselves. And as time went on, I was seeing, like, Tina Turner. And I was seeing, um, I had a music teacher named Miss Mosley um, when I was, like, 11 years old. And I didn't know women could play guitar. And I saw her play guitar. It never crossed my mind that I could possibly play guitar. And as soon as I saw her, I mean, it was, like, immediate. Like, as soon as I got out of school... I my sister had a guitar from way back when and I like dug it out of the closet and um you know cuz she never really played it dug out of the closet and immediately was trying to write songs on it and it was just so it was just like I knew what I, I always knew what I wanted to do you know and um I think being in the environment I was in like yeah I was in the junkyard and yeah I was like it was like a junkyard it was like a farm over here it was like pretty rural yeah you had to use your imagination and so I just came up with my own worlds through songs. It was kind of like I'm coming up with my own world and here's the soundtrack. You came up with your own world through songs. You came up with your own world and you were writing the soundtrack to the sort of the world that you found yourself in. Not the world I found myself in, the world I imagined, you know? It was like, I'd say in my early days of songwriting, yeah. it was just like I made up my own little world to live in because there was nothing else to do, really. What, what, what was in that world? Oh, it was just like hopes and dreams. Like I hope I'll one day... Be, can't believe I'm saying this, but like I was like, I hope I one day will be able to fly in a plane. Just like now, I take it back. I take it all back. <laughs> 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 Mama's tired. If, if I'd known what I was going to know now, I never oh, would have dreamt. Like you know, I can viscerally remember looking in the sky and being like, I wonder what that's like. <laughs> so you start writing. I mean, that's beautiful, Brittany. You start writing these songs about kind of like the, the life you might imagine for yourself, or, or or sort of an alternate life to the one you you, you have on the go. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was just an escape, really. And did you play it? Um, I don't listen. We don't have to talk about your sister too much. I know she passed away when you were when you were young. You know, and, many years ago. But in the last record was named after her and all that. But did you guys play together? Did you play music? together? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first teacher, Jim, uh, Jamie, my sister. She was four years older than me, and you know, I was a little sister, I was a little brat sister, and she was like the clean one with the cool stuff and like glowing the dark stuff and. Um, like alien stuff like you know back in the 90s that was very popular and i was like dirty all the time and somehow always had leaves in my hair (laughs) (laughs) and i'd want to go in her room and she'd be like get out of my room you know yeah and my my floor was covered in legos so you couldn't even walk on the floor yeah that's kind of like the juxtaposition between the two of us but she taught me like about poetry and she taught me like she taught me how to read when i was really small she taught me all different types of music and she was like truly like my art teacher from a very early age. That's a crucial relationship. My brother was, uh, my brother's nine years older than me. And I used to sneak into his room and take his CDs. Oh yeah. And I would like (laughs) retrace my steps so that it didn't look at all like I did it. Like if I put my knee on the bed, Mm. I'd smooth the, smooth the sheets over so it didn't look like my knee was on the bed. I would like try to visually memorize which like angle the CD was on, like whether it was like turned slightly. Wow. So when I put it back in the case, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's something about those formative, like older sibling, cool musical influences. That's a real thing. Yeah, I guess it teaches us attention to detail too, huh? <laughs> yeah, it makes me good at sneaking around. Yeah, you should be a, should be a private eye, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. that's what maybe maybe I am. Oh. oh, if you really think about it. Yeah, maybe uh, so. Actually. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Okay, so I understand. So you're playing guitar. You're playing a lot of instruments, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that time, yeah, you're yeah. learning a bunch of. What are you learning then? I started off as a drummer first, mm-hmm. then piano, and then bass guitar, and then guitar. And when do you realize you have the voice that you have? It wasn't until like a lot later, um, high school, me and Zach Cockrell from Alabama Shakes, you know, we made like a little demo CD. It was kind of like we had written like this gospel type song. And I remember burning it onto a CD and leaving it on my mom's nightstand. And she listened to it and came up to me the next day and she's like, I didn't know you could sing. And I was like, oh, like, okay, maybe I, maybe I can sing, you know? And then once the Shakes started playing live shows, it became apparent that I was doing something correctly. So it wasn't like I always knew. It was like always something I was like kind of working on getting better, you know. You, you had like an early affirmation through your mom there that like, oh, I, I got something going on here. There's something, something happening here with my boys. Yeah, I was probably like 17, 16 or 17, something like that. And then when you start playing the shows, people must have lost their mind when they heard you sing. Yeah, it was kind of surreal watching people react because to me it was just like wasn't like a, I don't know. It's like I don't think of myself as a singer even now. Like people always talk about me as a singer, but it's like I think of myself as a, I don't know, like a composer or orchestrator or writer or something. You think of yourself as a, a, a as an artist, like a composer, an orchestrator, way more than you do a, a singer. Yeah, because it's just what I put my energy towards. I'm not putting so much energy towards like singing technically correct and doing these runs and like there's people who that's their craft and mm. that's not what I do. Everything I can do, they're all tools for means to an end. And means to an end is producing something that um, feels like how I'm feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I heard a story that when the Shakes first started, you guys, I think I wrote it down here, you practice at your house which was challenging because it was haunted. Yes, it was haunted. Brittany, how did you figure out it was haunted? 
I figured it out real quick. Um, <laughs> it was just like there was like slamming doors, slamming cabinets. Uh, I got locked out one time. My my house is really old, and it definitely should have been demolished. But you know that's what I had to live in. And the back door had this giant slide lock. And I remember being on the back porch, talking on the phone with my friend. I just got off work, and I can hear the slide lock. Like, uh. Yeah, it was kind of hard to do too. So I was hearing like. And then I heard it close because it has a very distinct sound. And so immediately I'm like telling my friend, oh, my God, stay on the phone with me. I think someone's in my house. And I like run around the house. I go through the front door and there's no one in the entire house. And um, that had happened to me a couple times. And then I would hear like mysterious footsteps around the house. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on in the house. Yep. S- sounds terrifying. It was terrifying. Yeah, it was terrifying. I lived there for seven years. And, you know, that's, that's the side of a haunting people don't talk about. is like if you don't have money to move, you were just in the haunting. Like you and that ghost are together. Like you start to get used to it? I never got used to it. No, I never got used to it. Because, like, it seemed like when it would really kick up is when you were relaxed. So when you got comfortable is when something would happen. So it scared the crap out of you. Just when you lie down on the couch, just when you think you can watch TV. Yeah, because it wasn't an everyday thing. It was just like sporadic, you know? So I would go long swaths of time, very peaceful. And I was like, oh, maybe it's gone. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Slam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have to tell you how quickly things took off when Alabama Shakes put out the first album. I mean, you were in your early 20s. And from what I was reading, it's within a year uh, or so that you go from not, not being incredibly well-known at all to Grammy nominations and Adele talking about you and the Obamas talking about you. Mm-hmm. When, did, when did it hit you that your, your life was starting to change, your life was going to change? So many things. You know, the first thing that come to mind was, it was Outside Lands Festival. And I remember, I remember like having to sleep during the daytime because we took some sort of late night flight or something. So I'm like on a bus sleeping in a little coffin-like space. And then I got woken up because it's time to do the show. And back then, my tour manager would, like, do my hair. You know, it was a small operation, you know. And she was curling my hair. And I remember asking her, I was like, um, are there a lot of people out there? Because like, we're about to go on stage. And she, I, I'll never forget it. She just goes, uh, yeah. And I go out there in the outside land. And it was so many people, Tom, that there were people in trees watching our set. And I'll never, and then a hawk just flies through the sky. It was like, it was magical is what it was. It was divine is what it felt like. Divine. Yeah, divine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like from from God, from 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 something. It felt very calculated and not coincidental at all. Is what it felt like. Isn't that great? It felt calculated and not coincidental. At all. That's part one of my conversation with Brittany Howard. You're actually listening to her, that gig she was just talking about, the Outside Lands Festival in 2012. She says it was her most memorable gig with the Alabama Shakes, the band she was in that went pretty much overnight from playing in you know dive bars in Alabama to being praised by Adele and the Obamas. And then Brittany Howard leaves the band. It makes major music news. So coming up, she's going to talk a little bit about that decision, about why she she made that decision. Plus, Mumford & Sons will be here to talk about their new collaboration with Pharrell Williams. Get lucky. I feel lucky right now. I'm so sorry. More Q after this. I already feel 
one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I had to follow, like, I guess you would call it like the muse or, or creativity. I had to follow where it was coming from. And it was kind of just away from that. And I had to, I had to do it. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. That is the voice of five-time Grammy winner. Brittany Howard, who you might know as the former lead vocalist and guitarist and songwriter for the band Alabama Shakes. And and the word former is important there because Brittany led the biggest rock band around. She went from someone who never left the southern U.S. to touring the world and and playing with Paul McCartney. So in this next part of our conversation, you're going to hear about how quickly Britney's life changed. I should mention that Britney has a second solo album out now. It's beautiful. It's called What Now? But yeah, Britney's going to talk about the moment she knew that things would never be the same again. Take a listen. Oh, I knew as soon as I could quit my job. It's like I knew because I knew this is the thing. So my managers called me and it was just very early days. And so they were like, well, you guys might want to, you know, think about leaving your job. So what, you- what, what job were you in? I was, I was a USPS. I was a postal service worker. I was oh, delivering cool. you know, mail lady. And um, I didn't like it very much. Um, so I remember the managers calling and saying, well, if you guys really want to go on tour and really want to do this, you might want to think about like quitting your job so you, you can do this. You know, It's just something to think about. And I was like, I'll quit tomorrow. <laughs> and that's pretty much what I did. I quit, I quit just with such immediacy. you know. And I just knew right then I'm going to put everything I have into this. This is my shot. going forward, I'm not going back to where I come from. So I was pretty confident that something, I was going to make something happen, you know. Even if I didn't expect Grammys and all these things, of course I didn't. But I just, I was like, okay, I'm on a road now. Now I can learn how to do this and this is what I'm going to do, you know. Is it overwhelming how fast it all happened? Um, I'm sure it was. I, I I don't think for two years I even had time to think about it. It was just so much was happening all the time. And I was excited for it. It was um, it was surreal. It was very dreamlike. And I was very happy. And I got to see the world for the first time. And otherwise, I would have never seen the world. I had never been out of the South. I had never seen a proper mountain. I had never seen a desert. I would never seen anything. And now, all of a sudden, I'm in London taking pictures of everything. Yeah. Just camera out, taking pictures of everything you I could took see. Pictures of every, I took pictures of the streets. I took <laughs> I took pictures of everything they had. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, know? it was beautiful. It was um, the the most remarkable time in my life. Now I understand what you were saying to me earlier about when you made the decision to leave the band. How how people were looking at you. How people were surprised by that. With the amount of you know hard time you got for that because it was so remarkable what had happened up until then. I get that now. Yeah, yeah. You call me crazy? No, no. I would never. No, no. No one loves quitting more than me. <laughs> 
Quitters Club. No one loves leaving things more than me. No, no. No, I'm not. Jeez, I hope you don't take it that way. I'm I, I, only I, joking. Good, because I have, I just got, I have great admiration for people who can walk away from something that doesn't feel good. I have great admiration for people who, um, how do I put this? Uh, whatever, I'll say it. I have great admiration for people who didn't grow up rich mm. who leave stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I do. Like, I think that sometimes things aren't good for you or you're in a situation you don't want to be in, mm-hmm. but you got a good thing going mm-hmm. and the bills are getting paid mm-hmm. and everyone's expecting something of you. Mm-hmm. And, and to leave that thing mm-hmm. is... And people are going to think you're crazy. That's enough to keep people in something for the rest of their lives. Sure. So I, I actually mean it with great admiration for you. Yeah. You know, it truly is a choose your own adventure if you want it to be. Life, that is. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Mm. Um, and and you, 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 I feel like you're in a completely different place here now with this new record. Like I feel. Do you, do you see a big change in yourself from then until now? From the Shakes days to now? Yeah, from those early days playing in the haunted house until now. Yeah, almost a different person, really. Yeah, almost an entirely different person. But that's how it is, though. You get older, you get wiser, experience life. You learn to be more um, appreciative of small things, small times. And it changes you. And it makes you kind of more soft and, and compassionate, understanding, and more aware. And I feel like that's definitely who I am as a person. And I feel like this album reflects that. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. I got a question uh, before we go. And whatever. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, you know what? Life's short for me, too. Let's go. Let's do it. I got a hold on question for you. Sure. So big hit. Uh, first time I heard about you was, was Hold On. Mm-hmm. Great song, by the way. Mm-hmm. Love the song. Mm-hmm. That's, that was my question, though. That, that would be weird if that was my question, just that I like the song. No, in, in it, I've always been struck by, and Vanessa out there, she and I were, t- were talking about this the other day, that you giving yourself a bit of a pep talk in the middle of it, like where you say your name. Mm-hmm. Come on, Brittany, you got you, you to gotta get back up. We were talking about the various songs that we know where the singer will reference themselves in the song. And there's a big famous Canadian song by someone, someone, someone who does that. But the question I had was like, is that something that comes naturally to you? Like affirming yourself, encouraging yourself, talking to yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, from a young age, I'm uh, definitely my biggest fan, my biggest critic. You know, it's like having an angel and the devil on your shoulder, you know. But it's always like when I get in the roughest saddest or whatever's going on in my life spot i'm the one who's pep talking myself and that's really what we have at the end of the day is like if you strip everything away and everybody away it's just us you know and i feel like from a really young age because of my situations i would have to pep talk myself through things because you know when i was younger there was no one there it was just me so i've definitely learned how to be my own yeah cheerleader in a way and and i'm and i still do that today you know what do you can I ask what do you what do you find you're saying to yourself these days? Oh, well, just um, come on, Brittany Wood. <laughs> yeah, come on, Brittany. Uh, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Brittany. Fix your posture. You know. Like <laughs> come on, come on, Brittany. Drink enough water. Yes. <laughs> 
Not, probably wouldn't do, be that good a hook, though, Brittany, to be no, fair. I don't you know, think maybe, so. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. I wouldn't write that one. Well, let's, let's go back to the, the title of the record before we go. So depending on how you look at it, that title, What Now, uh-huh. is like one of the most terrifying questions you can ask yourself or one of the most empowering questions you yeah. can ask yourself. What Now? Where do you, where do you land on it these days? Is, it, is, is What Now a scary question or an exciting question? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of them questions that can be true and correct no matter which side you're on. Because I can say, what now? And I look at the world around me, and it's just kind of an overwhelming place right now. It's, it's, it's intense. There's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of, you know, a lot of overwhelming things going on. And then I can say, what now? In in reference to, okay, well, here I am, who I am now, in this moment, in spot, and place. And what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Where's my puzzle piece in all of this? And like I said before, you steer your own ship. So what kind of reality are you going to have in this moment? You know? So, so all, of this thing, all of these things can be true from, from what now, with no question mark. No question mark. No question mark. Hey, and thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for having me. You're fun to talk to. I like talking to you. Yeah, this is chill. We yeah. should do this more. You know, every day. Yeah. <laughs> this is my new career. I moved to Canada. Will you sponsor me? Yeah, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. <laughs> you know, that, that you probably have a less likelihood of getting in if I sponsor you, but you know, I'll do it anyway. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it anyway. You Tom, know but what if I got here and just started a life of crime? <laughs> well, you know what? I'd, I'd join you. I'd join you. And I'd share in the profits. And I'd probably rat you out. <laughs> probably go down together Brittany thanks for coming in thanks for having me you, ne- you never hear the, the expression life of crime anymore nice nice to hear it again Brittany if you're listening I'd, I'd never write you out that was Brittany Howard formerly of the band Alabama Shakes she has this new uh, solo album called What Now which is trippy and psychedelic and, and beautiful and you know good for a jazz cigarette. Here's a track from it. This is called Power to Undo. Okay, oh yeah, I know I used to miss the way you love me. I'm not that lonely. Brittany Howard and Power to Undo from her latest solo album called What Now, which is out now. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. So the band Mumford & Sons, they've been through it. What I mean by that is they went from a sort of overnight success playing this stompy, dancey folk music. Mumford & Sons music kind of became the sound of an era of 2000s music. Like, you might remember this. But it was not your fault but mine And it was your heart on the line I really put it up this time Deny my dear Deny my dear 
Mumford & Sons, Little Lion Man, the song that spawned a lot, like a lot of bands. How many shows did I see? I don't know how many shows you saw of like four dudes with a kick drum going bop, 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 bop. And there was, you know, there was a banjo, banjo on stage. Uh, Little Lion Man from Mumford & Sons. So yeah, they went through it. Massive success. And then they changed their sound to be a little bit more rock. They lost a member, uh, Winston Marshall, who left the band. And now, for the first time as a three-piece, they're trying something new, a pretty interesting and pretty surprising collaborator. Pharrell Williams, I mean, one of the most successful producers of all time, mainly, though, in hip-hop and R&B. Like, you might know his songs like Happy or or Get Lucky. And if you don't know them, you're going to hear at least one of them in just a second. All three members of the band, Marcus Mumford, Ben Lovett, and Ted Duane, join me to answer the question, why Pharrell? And how is it being Mumford and Sons with one less son? Take a listen. Marcus, I'll start with you. Uh, Pharrell, did you guys know each other for a while? Yeah, we'd known each other for a while. And I think we first met on the festival circuit about 10 years ago. And there was a lot of mutual love and appreciation. I played with him um, at the show that Ariana Grande put on in Manchester called One Love. Um, and he, like has the has the most commanding stage presence of anyone I've ever played with live but obviously he's a triple threat right he's a rapper he's uh, uh, an amazing singer and a producer and that's just in the music world <laughs> <laughs> But so anyway, we, 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 we kept in touch. We talked about making a record together for a long time. And then um, last year we played his festival, Something in the Water. When we were just sort of starting to fire up the engines of the band again, we were starting to write and stuff. And I said to him, dude, we should totally, you know, make that happen and get in the studio. He said, I'm waiting on you. To which I responded like, well, you seemed a little busy. You know, you've been doing a lot of other things. But anyway, we finally got in the studio together in November. And then December really, actually really quickly wrote Good People. It came together quite quick, that one. And um, we put it out in January. But, but hold on, let me, let me just stop you there because there's, there's, there's a jump there I want to I make sure I understand. And Ted, maybe I'll go to you on this. Like, I get it. You, you performed with him. You hung out with him backstage. You have great respect for him. And it's hard not to have great respect for him. But where does the idea come from that, oh, we need to work together? Like, we need to write something together? I think well he he was very forthcoming with uh an idea that he had he kept saying that he had this idea to make like a a folk dance kind of record and it actually reminded me quite a lot of when we started talking to Marcus Stravs head of our first two records because when he was kind of figuring out how our music was going to translate on the radio and all these sorts of things like a record producer needs to think in that way he kind of figured out in the gym and the fall to the floor thing suddenly became quite central to our music, not having a drummer, these sorts of things kind of steered our sound in a way that ended up being, you know, what people, I guess, came to know us for. And the feeling we were getting from Pharrell in those conversations before we actually got in the studio together, it was the same kind of thing. He just had a real idea for us, a real sound in his head of what we could do. And very quickly when we started working together, it became apparent that 
he did and it was cool and we liked it and more than anything it's just a vibe like the vibe is just great it makes creating really easy when you've got someone like him just kind of buoying everyone with a good feeling and with confidence uh, uh, ben is this are you in the same room because normally i would ask at this point what's it like collaborating with him like what's it like being in the studio with him i find the more and more i'm asking that question people are like oh we, we've never met like i asked to talk to someone the other day and i was like oh you're saying backups in the dua lipa record i was just met, met somebody i was like how what, what's she like and he was like i haven't we, she wouldn't know me if i walked into the grocery store uh, next to her like so ben yeah. ben is there is there is this all done electronically or is there a moment where you you get to hang out and kind of work together on this no i mean i think it became uh implicit that we wanted to do this in in real life and and i'm sure that people have worked with uh with pharrell remotely um we've done some stuff between us remotely but this felt important to be in in a room the first studio we worked in together um was in new york and we hired out it was like a big live room and a control room and we spent the entire week together just in the control room we didn't even step foot into the big room that everyone thinks of in terms of recording studio we were just hanging out you know a couple of feet from each other so that we could really pick up on um kind of the creative ideas and the flow and um you know that was just just very encouraging i think we we want to keep ourselves light of feet creatively we're aware of the responsibility we have to the people that have supported us so far but we also don't want to feel like we're stuck or or bound by that i mean we play that we play all of our music that we've ever released live but i think that the the kind of pursuit and the, the opportunity to create music is so fun for us to be able to collaborate um, and to find someone with such so much to give like pharrell was um was really fun for us just to be able to kind of explore that um and we're not you know we're not scared that that might be as as it was for you somewhat eyebrow raising initially um as long as what we come up with is good it, it was sort of less eyebrow raising the more i thought about it and i remember when i first started listening to your your songs and the production of your of your songs i did understand that there was sort of a, a very modern um, sonic quality to them and a very um, rhythm-based sonic quality to them. So it wasn't like super surprising once I got got into it that um, you had started working with Pharrell. I did like the choir, Marcus. What's the story on the, the choir on this thing? Oh, yeah. The Native Voices of Resistance, who um, was led by an amazing guy called DJ Tupes, um, who's in, at Standing Rock. And... Uh, yeah, we live streamed to them. They played on on Good People, which is an experience. And then they came across for the show that we played together in Paris when we released it. Welcome to the revelation. Come on. Um, just back to that dance thing. I think one of the one of the reasons Pharrell first wanted to work with us is because he thinks of us more of as a, a dance band than a folk band. Like yeah. he watched, he was side of stage for one of our shows and watched the way the crowd were reacting a lot to our music, and it, he was like, "This is like a this is like a dance band. <laughs> you, you guys play dance music with acoustic instruments, and it was a world he felt he he could understand." And and um, I think we 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 wanted to lean into that a bit and explore you know, where, where it could take us as well. And I think when we played him, some of the stuff we've been working on, there was this sort of, um, this common ground that we found quite quickly. 
How I feel a bit awkward asking this. How is the how is the making this stuff as the trio as opposed to the four piece? It's great, man. It's different, you know. And we're still. I think we've been writing now almost a year. We got a lot of songs, and it's obviously an adjustment. Um, but we're feeling genuinely positive about it. You know, there's a world in which well, we would just not do it if it didn't feel good. I think mm. we'd just stop. And it feels a bit like a rebirth for us. It feels like being a new band again. And that spirit that we had right at the beginning of the band, which is a little bit scary, honestly, um, is uh, we've got this hunger now to um, to make new music like a new band again. And I think it's really motivating, actually. And so we're, yeah, and feeling like, and feeling that being in the room with a producer as well, like for good people, you know, Pharrell became a part of our band for that song as well. And we've always been collaborative. You know, our first shows had like 12 people on stage. When we tour, we tour with five extra musicians. You know, look at like our the tours we've done on trains and on boats and across India and um, playing in other people's bands and calling up John Fogarty last minute when we don't have an opener, um, you know, and playing in his band as Credence and then releasing songs with Baba Marl and him being in our band for a while, we've always been really collaborative. So I think we feel like we've got this new sort of new canvas to paint on and it's feeling good so far. I'm glad. Yeah. I think uh, candidly, the eyebrow raise I also had when I got the the release that you had any music. Like, yeah, right. I didn't know. I didn't know if you were going to keep doing this thing. So I'm, I'm glad that you are. Yeah. And it definitely wasn't guaranteed. Like if we get together and it doesn't feel good, like we don't have to do this. We're no. doing it because we want to do it yeah. and because we love each other and we still believe in the future of our band. So it's feeling really good, honestly. Uh, before we go, Marcus, um, we've been talking so much about the about the about how the music came together and the changes over the years and all that. Lyrically, what, what were you, what were you, talk to, talk to me about this, how you were approaching this lyrically. I think we wanted to write a spiritual, really. Yeah. At the day we wanted something that could feel congregational and spiritual. Pharrell and I talked a lot at the beginning about both growing up in church and feeling like that was something not to be ashamed of and actually something to be tapped into creatively. And we felt like this song lyrically could do something that moved us and hopefully would move other people. And it felt like a collective moment. You know, for us, it's now some of the, this last year have been the first times we played live since COVID and this feeling of congregational music is so powerful to us. And it's different having shows in mind to playing music during COVID. And I made a solo record during COVID and wasn't really thinking about the live experience. Um, but, and, and that's totally fine. I think rec great records are made that way, but for our band at this moment, we had to write a song that we could imagine singing with people in a room. And so there was a congregational aspect that definitely inspired the lyric of that as well. Yeah. I hear that spirituality there. I hear that sort of play on words of revolution and revelation. And anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, boys, I'll, I'll tell you on behalf of everyone who, who likes your music, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you didn't hang it up. I'm glad you're still here. And, and, and thanks uh, Tom. Thank you. It's, it's so lo lovely, lovely to talk to you. Um, yeah, good to talk to you too. Marcus, Ted and Ben from Mumford and Sons. This is their brand new single they made with the great Pharrell Williams. This is called Good People.
Mumford & Sons with their new song, Good People, a collaboration with Pharrell Williams. Before that, my conversation with Marcus, Ben, and Ted from Mumford & Sons. So Mumford & The Sons. And that is it for the show today. Tomorrow on the show, um, you're going to hear a conversation with someone who's never been on this program before. Marlon Wayans. Over 30 years, what a legacy in, in comedy. In Living Color, Scary Movie, uh, White Chicks, all character work. So what happens when one of the most acclaimed sketch comedians of our time does stand-up, and not just stand-up, but vulnerable stand-up about the challenges he's faced in his life? Marlon Wayans will be here to talk about his incredible career. He does call me nosy at one point in the conversation. That's tomorrow. Uh, if you're not following us on Instagram, at Tom Joe Power is me. That cannot be grammatically correct. At CBCQ is the show. And if you want to drop me a line, Q at CBC.ca is the best way to do that. All right, we'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.